Welcome to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. It's almost the end of 2013, so we've rounded up our favorite physics stories from the year. You're listening to the Physics Central Podcast. A monumental milestone in space exploration took place in 2013. Scientists confirmed that the Voyager 1 space probe has officially left our solar system and has entered interstellar space. This is the first time that human technology has ever exited our planetary neighborhood. Voyager 1 is now more than 11 billion miles from the sun. When I say Voyager has left the solar system, I mean the heliosphere, which is this giant protective bubble of particles created by our sun. If it weren't for the heliosphere, Earth would be bombarded by a lot of heavy radiation from outer space. Voyager has been traveling through the outer layer of the heliosphere called the heliosheath. And exiting the heliosheath is not like going out a door where one minute you're inside and the next you're out. Scientists knew that it would be more gradual than that, that the heliosheath was likely to bleed out into interstellar space. And again, no human craft has ever made it this far, so this is the first time that scientists have received data about this environment. So a few times over the past two years, scientists thought that maybe Voyager had exited our solar system. But it was in April of this year when the strongest evidence came. The Voyager instruments registered a significantly higher density of plasma, which scientists believe to be part of the interstellar environment. At the same time, Voyager saw a drop in the volume of particles coming from the sun. These changes, combined with the other information that Voyager has collected, finally prompted NASA scientists to come to a consensus and declared that Voyager appears to have officially touched interstellar space. Now I want to note quickly that some doubts still remain about Voyager's whereabouts, but really the only thing that will settle the debate for sure is more data, and that will take time. The Voyager spacecraft is expected to continue collecting data through 2020. At that point, it will have been operating for 43 years. After that, some instruments will be turned off to conserve power, but others will remain on through 2025, which means Voyager will continue to explore the region beyond our solar system for at least another decade. Now for story number two, we go to Mike Lucibella. Thanks, Kala. Researchers this year smashed the record for the longest-lasting room-temperature quantum state. This is really big news for scientists trying to build the next generation of computers. But first, what do I mean by quantum state? When you shrink down to very tiny subatomic sizes, the weird laws of quantum mechanics take over, and the intuitive laws of the world around us don't always apply the same way. One of the quirks of the quantum is that scientists can manipulate subatomic particles, like electrons, to have two totally incompatible traits at the same time. It's called a superposition. It's like tossing a penny in the air, and instead of it landing neither heads or tails, it lands, but is both heads and tails until someone looks at it. Scientists want to use these quantum particles and their superpositions as the binary bits for future computers. The problem is that these quantum bits, or qubits, are incredibly fragile. The slightest stimulus from the outside, and their superposition collapses. A team of scientists at Simon Fraser University in Canada 
developed a new kind of qubit using ionized phosphorus atoms that are some pretty tough cookies. The scientists managed to keep their atoms in their quantum superstate for a jaw-dropping 39 minutes at room temperature. That's a huge leap over the previous record of two seconds for silicon atoms. Cal, back to you. Twenty thirteen has been an international year in space exploration. In November, India's space agency launched its first mission to Mars. The Mars Orbiter mission is set to reach the Red Planet in September of twenty fourteen. The primary objective of the mission is to investigate whether or not Mars is or ever was fit to support life. Among other things, the mission will search for methane gas, which is a primary signifier of biological processes. If the Mars Orbiter mission succeeds, India's space agency will be the fourth to reach the Red Planet. Successful missions have also been launched by the U.S., Russian, and European space agencies. While India's space program has been operating since the 1970s, it's only been in recent years that the country seems to have made a major effort to become a major contributor to international space science. In 2009, India's moon mission, Chandrayana-1, made a splash when it found evidence of water stored in minerals on the surface of the moon. China's space agency also attempted a mission to Mars in 2011, but the rocket carrying the instrument failed shortly after takeoff. But 2013 saw China bouncing back into the game. China succeeded in becoming only the third country to soft land a spacecraft on the surface of the moon, soft landing meaning the instrument is still fit to work. On December 14th, China's Chang'e 3 probe landed in a region called the Bay of Rainbows, where it will dig and conduct geological surveys on the lunar surface. Russia was the last country to make a soft lunar landing in 1976. My next favorite story is this 100-year-old interstellar mystery that finally got laid to rest this year. So cosmic rays are energetic particles, mostly protons, that fly through space at near the speeds of light. Our atmosphere blocks a lot of this interstellar radiation, but some still gets through. Physicist Victor Hess first identified that they were coming from outer space in 1912. And then this year, more than 100 years later, we can now definitively say that they originated from exploding stars light years away. Or at least some did. What the scientists still can't say is whether supernovas are the only source. And looking out at all the amazing stuff in the universe, it's pretty likely there are other places cosmic rays can come from. Anyways, it's been hard identifying their origin because space is full of magnetic fields. And these fields can deflect the paths of traveling protons, making it impossible to trace them back to their source. However, magnetic fields don't affect light waves, and more specifically gamma rays, so scientists looked to see what these gamma rays could tell them. They pointed the Fermi Space Telescope at the supernova remnants of two stars and found an abundance of gamma rays at two very specific energies. That abundance was exactly consistent with what would happen if protons collided with ordinary dust and gas. The protons would create another short-lived particle, called a pion, which would then decay into exactly the same two gamma rays spotted by Fermi. Now, scientists have long suspected that cosmic rays likely came from exploding stars. I mean, it only makes sense that enormous supernovas would hurl out particles at tremendous speeds, but they can now definitively say that they're pretty sure about it.
The superstar substance of the physics world, graphene, may one day succeed silicon as the material of choice for computer processors. We've talked about graphene quite a bit on the podcast. It burst onto the physics scene in 2004. It is quite simply a sheet of carbon atoms. This seemingly simple material is one of the most studied structures in materials physics because scientists believe it has some very exciting applications, particularly in electronics and computer technology, but also potentially in medicine. This year, scientists made what might be a significant step towards realizing the potential of graphene. Scientists at Stanford University made a computer processor out of carbon nanotubes, which are sheets of graphene rolled up into a tube shape. The carbon nanotube processor has nowhere near the speed or capacity of modern devices. The creators say it's about equal to the Intel 4004 processor, which was the very first processor that company produced in 1971. So it can do things like add numbers together and remember strings of numbers, but not much else. But it is still a functioning processor. Computer engineers currently believe that silicon processors are approaching a limit. Up until now, scientists have been able to generate smaller and smaller silicon processors year after year, providing more and more computing power on chips of the same size. And that's what leads to smaller and smaller devices, as well as faster and more powerful devices. Now, if scientists reach this limit with silicon, that progress will simply stop for everything from consumer goods like cell phones to supercomputers that are used in science. So scientists and engineers have been looking for other materials that might replace silicon, materials that might not reach that same limit. And a lot of work has been done with those materials, but none of them have been turned into a working computer. None of them, that is, except for carbon nanotubes. Now that's not to say that the carbon nanotube computer is perfect. In its current form, it actually uses significantly more power than a silicon-based computer with the same capabilities. Now that's despite the fact that it's actually using significantly fewer transistors. And so far, the scientific community has expressed cautious optimism about the work that was done. There's a very long way to go to prove that carbon nanotubes can create a competitive processor to silicon, let alone a superior one. Those are some of our favorite physics stories of 2013, but there were many exciting discoveries and breakthroughs. Head over to our blog at physicsbuzz.physicscentral.com to see more. And while you're over there, you can see our podcast archive and all the resources that Physics Central has to offer. We're taking a bit of a break for the holidays. We'll be back on January 8th. Don't forget to tune in then for more of the Physics Central podcast. Thank you.